0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'm Hody Johns. I'm joined by Michael Jimerson. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Oh, man. Crazy good. Better now that you're here. Uh, Life has been good to me, and I'm happy, and that's as much as we can ask. Uh... Now, you are an expert when it comes to free market environmentalism slash green agorism. Let's break that down a little bit. We've talked about what agorism is on the show, and it's, I, I believe it's just the Greek word for free market or open market, right?
1: Uh, correct. Correct.
0: Right. So green, just meaning uh, like like anything, it ain't easy being green. Now, let's go ahead and dive right into the toughest part on this one. When people think of free markets, they tend to hate. They tend to think about hating the environment and environmentalists getting in the way of the free markets. How do you see that kind of problem ironing itself out?
1: Well, I think that issue is directly related to the fact that those same people when they hear the word, you know, let's say capitalism, they automatically think of what is actually government-controlled corporatism. And that is the same issue when it comes to environmental issues. It's, it's common to see a private industry, you know, they, they throw away trash improperly, they pollute rivers or whatever, but it's the same issue. It's because they're government-controlled, government, or government-protected, I mean, and it's a lot more difficult for them to be held accountable to their environmental uh, damages than it would be... A, have for a company in a true free market.
0: Right. That And that is something that I've worked on on both fronts on this show before. Uh, we've talked about how the government and, and the EPA actually does a lot, a great deal of damage to the environment uh, or at least allows it under the guise of not allowing it. <laughs> and, uh, and and what free, free markets and what capitalism actually is and, and people uh, love to distort that to make it... Look like it's something else or, or sometimes even get defensive when they, when we attack what the government's doing with the markets and then saying, well, you just must not like capitalism. It's like, no, I, I actually love capitalism. I hate I hate them getting involved with it.
1: <laughs> well, once they're involved with it, it no longer is capitalism. It becomes corporatism or any other form of status controlled economy. So it for some reason, they can't or won't understand the difference.
0: Yeah, capitalism, I, I think by definition, you actually, uh, an economic and political system in which a country's trade industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. So as soon as the state, that's the definition of capitalism. As soon as the state has control, it's no longer capitalism. So too bad, you know? So, so if the state is doing something regulatory or interfering with it somehow, it's no longer capital, capitalism. So yeah. So, um, where did you get this passion? I-, I guess maybe for both, or did they occur at the same time? But both for free markets and for the environment.
1: Uh, well, they didn't really start at the same time. One did lead directly into the other. I was raised, you know, like a lot of us wasn't raised an anarchist or libertarian, but I was raised on on the right. My dad was big in the business and and all that, and it just it, that part came naturally to me, and just over the years. I just became more and more of a libertarian than an anarchist. But as for the environment, I always grew up admiring and being in the outdoors as much as possible. And along with my journey of becoming an anarchist, I did a lot of reading and research. And that's the what I did for eventually becoming an environmentalist, too. They started off on two different branches, but they eventually became one and the same for me.
0: Awesome, man. So, so the so okay. So you started off kind of on the the writer side of things. What are some things about the environment that you see free markets? H- how do you see free markets? I, I guess it has to be hypothetical because the government controls everything. But what do you see the free market solution as being to a lot of the environmental challenges we have these days?
1: Well. Not so much environmental challenges as much as like resource control. Like with the industry I'm in, I do um, civil engineering testings and inspections of construction sites. We work alongside the contractor when it comes to developing, whether it's um, a neighborhood or a a commercial building, whatever. One of the biggest things as part of our contracts, as you know, like with businesses, you have to save as much money as possible. Um, One of the things that I see very commonly of, and part of my position is to be somewhat involved in is is utilizing as many of the on-site resources as possible to minimize overhead, and then only then bring in outside resources if absolutely necessary, whether it's, you know, most, well, at least in my case, it's all on-site soil or dirt being used for the construction. The one thing they try to emphasize as much as possible is if, if it's suitable, use as much as you can that we already have available to us before bringing an extra
0: right yeah i love that angle because this is one of those things that i that that i talk about the, the market if it were free would let, try to use as minimal energy as possible to produce a maximum output possible so it's funny when you always see these hypothetical views of capitalism where they've managed to bulldoze all the trees over and and, and uh and smokestacks, you know, have replaced every tree and everything. It's like, well, what are they doing that requires that much energy? Because energy is a precious resource. And you would think if it's a market system, you would want to use as little of that as possible at the cheapest cost possible. Fewest resources So that you can, you either pass that profit on to your guests or heck, even if you're greedy, you put it in your own pocket, what you save on energy, right? So there's really no incentive to be wasteful with with the resources of the environment. It's also, I mean, when we talk about scarcity, you know you're creating your own scarcity if scarcity if you cut and burn too much land you know so so the so i mean i guess that's more about property than it is about energy but they're kind of tied together if you say well i've harvested all of this resources or i've used all of this energy i'm gonna have to find a new source well you just put yourself out of business right
1: or at the very least uh increase your overhead which in itself is an issue also so
0: right Gotta compete, right? Competitive markets. That's part of capitalism, right? <laughs> that's the I think the sixth pillar of capitalism is is that you gotta compete with everybody else. So the uh cool man. Cool. So so what are some uh you're on really great I, I I don't follow too much on Facebook because I don't have a lot of time, but I really love your page. It is just called, and now it's a closed group for all you people who want in, but it's called Free Market Environmentalism Slash Green Agorism. And it is a it's it's, you really are good at keeping in touch with it and providing really relevant content. And it's surprising to me how many, how, how many people are interested in this aspect, both loving the free market and loving uh, the environment. Do you find there's like a really good community?
1: It's better than I expected, honestly. Um, I've been doing this group on and off for a couple of years now, and I've only within the last few months, I have, i seen an increase to of interest that you've seen, and I'm hoping it, it keeps going that way. And I'm going to keep uh, continuing with the research and the uploading and the keeping in touch with it just to make sure everything is as updated, relevant as possible.
0: Gotcha. See, I might be, I might be one of those people that joined in on, on the rush and I don't know what it was, Uh, I, I, I guess that, like, for me, in the last few little bit, there's just been more curiosity as far as this goes. There's been people that want to learn how to harvest their own resources. I've seen a lot of... I know with gardening, a lot of the self-sustaining thing. I know it's really popular among the anarchist community, especially because I mean, government's got its tendrils and everything. So if you're going to really be really embrace that agorism and try to have minimal, you know, try to participate with as little government interference as possible, growing food is a lot of a lot of how you do that. And uh, so that's more on like the gardening side of things. That's kind of the direction I took it with Erica. You've kind of got the environment side of things, which is where I wanted to look at it with you. Um, I, I guess let's 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 open the box here. What do you think of uh, global warming, and what's the best way to combat that? If you believe in it and all, or climate change, or however you want to say it.
1: Well, that's actually, you know, as we all know, a very difficult subject and one that I tend to somewhat avoid just because of the sheer enormity and how divisive it is. Um, one thing I will say, though, is you know, I, we can't deny the Anthropocene impact that we've had on this planet. However, I'm of the personal opinion that of what we know, he says, what we know of climate change and global warming, all that, we don't have the technological ability to do as much damage as we hear that we do, as you know, all the alarmists and all that. Granted, there are certain things that can be done better or more efficiently or more, you know, friendly on the earth and all that. But I guess basically what I'm saying is I personally don't believe it is to the extent we are led to believe, but there are things we can do that are better or they can be better to prevent the, of that from actually happening
0: sure i think i think the truth is kind of somewhere in between the two we have the one side saying it doesn't exist at all it's nothing happening you're making up stuff and then we have the other side saying well it's going to end in you know the world's going to end in 10 years which they've been saying for the last 70 years and so we're like okay well you're full of crap (laughs) you know what i mean like we, we both sides are exaggerating their their side you know and and I, I, I got into it, you know, I, I I there's a lot of hoaxes to look into, a lot of people being fake about it, a lot of, uh, I think you'll see the email correspondence with them trying to exaggerate the numbers. Um, I remember the, the email exchange between the NOAA scientists, which were like, oh man, we didn't fly, find any warming happening in this area. Well, we're going to lose our funding if we don't, so let's figure out a way to make it look like there is with the data that we have. And it was just kind of I mean, I mean, in the NOAA, we get three sources that measure global temperatures. And that's one of the sources that we use. So it's you know, they don't contribute just a little bit. Um, But on the other hand. Most scientists that look into it, even if they're not government scientists, will say that there's problems, right, that are related to it. I know here in Utah, I actually had a friend who's a professor at Weber State, and this is when I first started believing global warming at all, or at least climate change. But she's an entomologist, right? Studies bugs, insects, kind of like microbiology as well as uh, you know small forms of macrobiology. But really likes the bugs. And one of the things that she looked at here in Utah was uh, we had these these beetles that had this cycle. It would go warm to cold, warm to cold. That would um, they would only come out at a certain temperature. Now we as humans we can exist in a lot of different temperatures because our bodies are are so. Uh, adapted and so we can you know but these little bugs these small little organisms really it, it it's got a, it, there's a very sweet spot for this temperature so what happened is utah got so warm that the temperature that they were awake was longer than what they f- were for asleep, sleep and it kind of showed how how it messed with the environment a little bit because it messed with all of nature's feeding cycles around here there was just a lot of a lot of dominoes that fell when looking at it. And so for me, I was like, oh, okay, I can actually see, I, I first of all, I can actually observe the change along with her, where she's like, here's what I've noticed, and here's the problems that are coming out about that. Now, who's to say that there aren't going to be positive things that come come from the Beatles having to be awake longer who, who knows? You know, there, there's, you know, that was just one example she gave, but I'm sure we, we can multiply that happening around the world. There's just a lot of, that we're going to have to adapt to if we continue to let it get warm. I guess for me, what I like about free markets is kind of the individual property aspect. When you say you don't have the right to poison my air, if you're gonna, you know, it, it, in a free market system, the government just gives you a license to poison the air they don't stop you from doing it whereas if you poison the air you know in a free market system you're going to have to pay reparations or answer to literally everybody else on the planet
1: exactly so
0: yeah i just i know it's kind of tangential and and like you said this isn't necessarily an area you want to go digging around in so we can uh we can move off of that one. Where do you see is kind of the, the future in free market environmentalism? Where would you like to see the movement go? I guess where would you like to see it go and where do you think it's heading?
1: Well, I think it's heading um, – I think it's more like on the food side, like you had mentioned um, with the Palmer Culture episode you had previously done. More and more people are becoming more involved with more sustainable and more autonomous – farming and agricultural practices and as part of more increased food security against the control of the state. As for what I personally likes, like to see it go. And, and it's partly, um, like the subject of my book is those sustainable and green and free market practices for not just the homesteading aspect, but for the civil infrastructure aspect, which is good. You know, like I said, it goes back to what I do. Um, like I said I'm in that industry. I see. I I didn't mention that I do see a lot of you know we have to use as much on-site stuff as possible, but I still do see a lot of waste, especially since a lot of what we do is per a government, whether it's a county, state, or federal requirement. There's a lot of waste involved with that too. So one thing I would like to personally see is more or a lot less waste and a lot more sustainable practices um, in regards to civil infrastructure construction, whether it's on the personal level or a a group of people voluntarily gathering together to build something at that level.
0: Yeah. The, there's a, the, there's too much waste and it, we're, we're getting better in that, but it is very much uh I, I think we've kind of hit a critical mass as far as the planet goes on waste. We're, we're very much, uh, you know, you see the pictures and, and granted these are, this is not America. This is a lot of third world countries without, you know, these systems to help take care of it. But I think we have to understand that even though, well, there's articles that show America actually ships a lot of their garbage out to some of these places, but also we just really compact it here. And we have systems that compact it, but we're not really cutting down on it. And waste like that, it has to go someplace. It goes to a property now. And this is another example that I brought up when we talk about free, free markets, you want to talk about the value of property in a free market versus the value of property in a public market. Well, in a public market, it's driven up because the government creates a false scarcity with the land because you can't just build anywhere you want to. You can't just live anywhere you want to. And But at the same time, they, because they own all the land, can just be like, eh, this area is a junkyard now. This area is a dump. You know, We're just going to get rid of it. In the free market, you really have to answer to... The location of a junkyard, you know, and the size and scope of a junkyard to just be like, yeah, we're putting all of our garbage here. This is junkyard I- island. There's going to be people that are like, well, I actually see some value for that island. Uh It's tropical. You know, <laughs> there's people that want to live there. You can't just throw all your trash there. You know, in the current system, we say, well, we own it. So we're going to versus in a, f- a free market where they say, well, y- you can't do that. You know, I think this is another one of those areas when you talk about waste, that the government contributes to more than it helps.
1: Well, a lot of that's simply the difference between incentive and not caring about incentive.
0: What's the... So. Uh, yeah, man, great point. Uh, do, do you see any way getting out of the... Uh, now, now I, I am like you. I am also an agorist where I just as opposed to necessarily fighting the government, I ignore the government and I go about living my life as best as I can. Do you think there's any way to... What's the word that I'm trying to... That I would say operate... How do you see is getting into the system that we want from either the free market or the environmental perspective? What's the best way to get there from the current system? Do you see any changes that we could make that would legally aid our way there? Or do we just kind of agorist our way there and pretend government doesn't exist until they can't control us anymore.
1: Well to be honest, if you follow the legal path, how far are you gonna get really how far are you gonna get in the right direction? <laughs> um, I, I'm of the personal opinion that when it comes to, you know, like exactly your question, you know, learn as much as you possibly can about everything, but especially in this regard, especially in the environment and your impact on it other people's impact on it, what you can do to protect you and your own and to contribute to the less waste and more sustainable practices on, or at least in regards to your specific plot of land, so to speak. But while at the same time trying to protect against those who will try to prevent you or control you by most usually violent means, and that's, like you said, ignoring the government, is in some cases easier in some cases far more difficult definitely more safe depending on the situation and while i had mentioned in my previous podcast i'm not opposed to violence it is a last resort option it's just in the meantime educate and do what you can to protect against the environmental issues and governmental issues so to speak
0: Right. And they really are tied together. You know, I I know Paul and I did an episode called... It was one of my first dailies, and I still use it all the time, called Who Will Speak for the Trees? Uh, I believe it's wall daily number five. It was one of the first ones I was on. But man, it was such a... It was a powerful look into... How the government doesn't actually fix the problem because, like you, you mentioned incentive, and that's the perfect word. They don't have an incentive to keep it clean. They have an incentive to make money, to gain control, to gain power. Uh, the we were looking at kind of the history of the EPA and the establishment of these the some of these laws, and uh, they passed this one, and and they were like, you know, you know, of course they always title it like "cleaning up all our rivers for the sake of our children," and if you don't, you hate Nazis. Act. Or you love Nazis act, you know, and this is the this is and so they passed some law like that. And the example was, of course, the Ohio River catching on fire because the uh, steel corporation was was polluting it. And so they were like, oh, well, we need obviously the government to do this because look at what they're doing without us. So we passed this law. And what happens, I think literally in the month of it passing, the US Steel Corporation kept polluting at the same level they were before. They just had to pay a license fee to the EPA in order to pollute. You know, it, it's like, well, did you pay your, your fine? Yeah, I did. Okay, well, then continue. You know, it's, and this was affecting tons of people this is affecting everybody who had a business along the ohio river if you owned property along the ohio river if you were you know if you fished along it if you did boat tours along it you know this this affected you and all that mattered after that point it, there was no recourse for these people where they they it's funny because they turned to the judicial system that said hey we need justice you know they they've affected thousands of people, you know, and, and the government looks at it and they're like, "You do need justice. These people should have to pay us a few thousand dollars every month." And it's like, well, that that wasn't the, and now the steel prices are more expensive because they have to pay that licensure fee. It's like, no, we wanted you to stop the pollution, you know, but but you just let them do it, you know, and and with uh, well, the Energy Star scandal where I, I believe the Energy Star products are no better than any other product you know they just they you pay a fee you slap the energy star logo on there and they're you know and and it's funny because they ran these tests and they found that half of the things that don't have any energy star you know logo at all are actually more efficient than those with the energy star they just didn't pay their fee to the government for it to say energy star and they're not allowed to say it's energy efficient because they didn't pay that fee just ridiculousness right
1: and and it's Speaking of that, that's actually kind of something similar. I read to you, I want to say like a month or a month and a half ago now, where supposedly the USDA now is authorizing Monsanto or related influence on officially stamped organic products. So it kind of defeats the purpose of the labeling.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. So so if you're there and. Yeah, I think you just notice it every time that the people that are actually growing organic products then are now going to be, you know, it's just going to get more expensive, you know, slash you have to pay your fee. And it's going to be done in the name of regulatory behavior, you know, to say, well, you know, all these people that aren't actually organic might slide in there. It's like, but really, don't you think the market's going to take care of that? I mean, we, we're not going to let that fly. You know, it's not like an epidemic right now. And you might find one instance where we will correct it when it does happen. But when you have the government step in, they don't allow that natural flow to occur, I guess, of being like they messed up. OK, let's take care of it. They said, well, somebody messed up. Well, who knows when the next person's going to mess up? So we're just not going to let it happen anymore
1: basically all they do is put a shackle on the f- invisible hand of the market.
0: Boom. Yeah. The, the yeah. And, and, and if you think about it, I mean, how would this be any different than the, you know, they what they did with the energy product scandal scandal. Energy stark scandal. You just say, well, if only half of the products are actually more energy efficient, then see them looking into the organic industry. And if they're just going to take money in exchange for it, then you're probably looking at half of not being organic anymore (laughs) either. Like, I hate to say it, but, you know, just getting more and more tolerant because then at that point, like you said, incentive, there's the shackle. They are shackled to their big business buddies. And so they are going to say, you know, instead of a free market, they're just going to shackle that hand and say, well, but you're also tied to your corporate allies. That's but crazy. now
1: this, this company who now all, all they have to do is just pay a fee, but if they, they continue their, their practices, they have no incentive to maintain the original product with the original intent. They can just push out whatever or provide whatever and just pay this fee and get away with it and conti- continue to get away with it.
0: Yep. Yeah. It, it, and that's, yeah, that's it in a nutshell, man. <laughs> so uh, what are some what are some goals that you have uh, for I guess this audience what would you like them to know or understand uh, what what would be your message that you'd want to make sure that you got out when when you got a new audience like this
1: educate yourselves against you know learning what you personally can do what you can do with your family or, or friends what you can do to protect yourself while living how you want and basically boils down to education and i simply put i guess where's a good place to turn for education well one website i use it's not specifically for education but it has a great many of resources even non-environmental is mises.org okay cool yeah the uh the uh, the
0: mises institute there we have uh trish stewart with the with the uh libertarians program and she uh she's a member and we we have some stuff up there so awesome man well org for those of you who want to educate yourselves uh we want to do some final thoughts here uh man as far as final thoughts for me goes i will start and i will we'll end with you i just really first of all thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it i really love talking about these types of issues because i think I went from a place in being libertarian where I thought it was too bad that, that we couldn't be pro environment. Cause I was like, Oh man, I guess part of the thing is you got to let them do whatever you want to really understanding and really changing that if you are go, that if you do love the environment, that man, Liberty is the only solution to this. You know, we've tried the big government solution. We've tried the small government solution and really kind of the no government solutions, the only way that's going to work on this one. And or, or at least even if you're not a full on anarchist, at least just no government in this particular area is is the solution as far as environmental concerns go. And I just, I I think it's one of those that I think too many liberty lovers dance around. Man, do not dance around this issue because this is something that you can absolutely win as a liberty-minded person. This is a subject that you can win on with your friends, where you say, hey man, I love the environment too, and I'm willing to bet that I love it even more than you love it. You know, that's how I approach that, that my leftist friends when I'm, when they, when they talk about it, and I'm just like, hey man, time out. You think what you're doing is helping the environment, but it's not. Let me give you some solutions that I think will help. And these solutions, man, they are proven to work better, and they sound better. And it's just one of those that you say, yeah, like, I, I mean, what's your solution? Just pay a heftier fee, you know, ban cows from farting. I mean, like, come on, get real right now. You know, like, like ban air travel. Like, come on, we can be better stewards to the environment without, without Big Brother watching over us. So those are my final thoughts. Michael, let's have your final thoughts.
1: Well, I guess I could really say is um, I pretty much second everything you said. On my end, I'm going to keep continuing with the reading and the research. And I do have my own personal plans on putting a lot of this to practical use just at the moment. They're they're only plans. Um, But on top of that, all I can say is you can love the environment and love liberty and practice both.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you Tell you what i i wanted I don't wanna end without people knowing you said you're working on a book. Is that right
1: uh, i I don't know I just there's a couple of different things that I was working on thought wise that I had posted in my group and that I didn't mention to a few people that eventually that's probably my plan. but right now, I'm just in a phase where I'm just everything's coalescing together. If it turns into a book that that's fantastic if not, it'll turn into something eventually
0: okay cool well keep us updated on that man because i would be i would definitely be interested in that anytime somebody i actually know personally writes something i'm like oh man i gotta read that you know (laughs) like that that's cool uh well michael thanks again for coming on the show man i hope you had a good time and uh audience patreons.com slash we're libertarians we really appreciate your support if there's any feedback uh this whole morning we were actually just looking at feedback from our audience so if there is something that that you feel direction that you want to see in the show. If you want to see more of this, man, give us some support, give us some love and then give us some advice. We're always open to it. Uh But Michael, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you again.
1: Thank you.